The Lord is awakening hearts all across our nation and the nations of the earth to come back to the power and simplicity of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In light of this, Peter and Christie and many others have felt the leading of the Lord to have a national communion celebration. So, July 3rd, as our nation prepares to celebrate its independence, we are gathering. Fathers and mothers, pastors and leaders at Independence Hall in Philadelphia to come together as one voice and declare our dependence on God as a nation and to proclaim this gospel message. In these short podcast episodes, Peter explains the history, heart, and vision of this communion celebration because we want you to join in with us. It's time for true freedom to ring through our nation. It's time to live out this gospel message, and it's time to invite our nation to come to the table. All right, guys, welcome to my morning commute. Um, You are with me in my forerunner. I'm driving in to my first meeting of the day. And we're going to be doing these, I'm going to be doing these over the next couple of days and giving you a little more uh, insight into the Come to the Table uh, Philadelphia communion celebration that we're going to do uh, on July 3rd. And so buckle up, put your seatbelt on. Um, They're going to be short, maybe 10, 15 minute episodes here uh, over the next few weeks. Um, Again, just inviting you to join us in prayer, uh, inviting you to understand the heart. This is not something that we're trying to put on uh, to impress anyone. Uh, We're really trying to walk in obedience to the Lord. And so um, I realize, though, there's some prophetic history uh, connected to this gathering that I really want to I want to share with you guys. And so I'm going to talk to you as if you're in my car. Um, let me make sure that we're still recording here. This is how, yep, we're still doing good. So you're with me in my car. So let me give you a little context on February 22nd of 2022, uh, Lou and Therese had invited, uh, Christy and I and, and many others, um, to Kansas city. There's about 300 people. Um, and they had rented out a theater on two, two, two. Uh, which is just a lot of prophetic significance around that day, uh, the key of David. <clears throat> uh, but it was also the year of Lou's 70th birthday. Uh, he would turn 70 later that year. And he just wanted to gather his spiritual sons, daughters, friends, and have a time of of just, uh, he called it the theater of dreams. And, and And he said he wanted to do like a generational impartation. And so Christy and I were super honored uh, to be invited to that. So we went and um, and we, we, we were there the whole day and it was wonderful. And we got to see just hear the prophetic history and what God's done through the dream stream and and following the God dreams and praying them through and fasting. And it was just it was so cool. It was like being in a room of just heroes of the faith. And um, and so. The other thing that we took away was just how how many deep relationships and connections that they had formed over the years uh, following God and and the God dreams and all that. And so at the end, they pray this prayer uh, that was like a generational impartation. It was like Lord Blue and Therese and and a few of, of their friends, they got up there, mothers and fathers in the faith, and they just blessed us. They extended their hands and 
I didn't necessarily feel anything, didn't feel any zap, uh, but I really was in faith and I received what they were, what they were imparting. And the very next morning, um, I had this sense, um, and I wrote this in my journal. I said, I feel as though the canvas of my imagination has been expanded. And I feel like the best way I can describe it is that I felt like I received a general's impartation, like from a general, that there was this anointing to lead. And I began to say this phrase. I said, I want to launch a full-scale gospel attack on America. Now, for those of you who don't know if the snippet gets taken out of place, a gospel attack is one that is filled with love. No people are being harmed. Um, there's no real attack. It is it, the, the word, the phrase was, was intended, I believe, to mean strategy, um, like a military strategy, but with the gospel, um, and that we would launch it on America simultaneously, that there would be some strategy that God would begin to impart, begin to give. And, and I really felt the Father beginning to invite me <clears throat> to dream about being a catalyst and helping lead something like that. And if you guys, I mean, you guys somewhat know me, that's not really in my wheelhouse. That's not really something that I think a lot about or dream a lot about or like, wow, that's my goal. I want to, I want to do a major, you know, major scale event across America. But, but I begin to feel it and I begin to feel the Lord's invitation and I'm, I'm sensitive the best I know how to his voice. And so I begin to pray into that. And, and, and then in that time, that year, we did a, a communion fast. Lou called a communion fast. And so for 40 days, um, Lou and his team would be reading Keep the Blood Warm, uh, which is a, a, the devotional I wrote um, about, about maintaining an innocence uh, and a gratitude um, and a true posture of just adoration for the blood of Jesus and, and what he's accomplished for us. And so um, the first morning of that fast, <clears throat> Um, there was a, a lady by the name, a young lady by the name of Stephanie, um, and she had a brother named Peter Lou. And she comes to Lou and she says, Lou, I, I've never heard of Peter Lewis, but I had a dream last night. And in my dream, my brother Peter Lou was pleading the blood of Jesus uh, over me. And Lou called me that day and he just said, I feel like this is significant um, that you and I, Peter and Lou, were pleading the blood of Jesus over this young woman, this, this, this girl. And he said, I feel this is part of, this is connected to uh, this communion revival. And so I began to pray into that. I said, okay, Lord, what do I do? And, and Lou is so amazing. He's such a father. He thinks and dreams so big with God. And I think I was, I was still thinking small, but that, that impartation on 222 had begun to expand what I was believing was possible. And so a few months later, um, stay with me, this is still connected. Um, I was invited uh, to do a devotional for the men's, our U.S. men's national team. A dear friend of mine invited me down to Austin. And for those of you who don't know, my dream was to play professional soccer, which I did, but my other dream was to play on the national team. And so I go down to Austin um, and I'm just really excited because I feel like there's a prophetic significance about me now spending time with our current men's soccer national team, but doing what I'm really called to do, which is share the gospel. And so 
long story short here, it was such a privilege. The, the guys that I got to spend time with were amazing. I got to share my heart, share some scriptures, pray for them leading into the World Cup. It was just, it was a dream come true. I still root for our U.S. men's national team. I just think they're phenomenal. Um, and so anyway, so it was, that was on like a June, June 9th, I believe, of 2022. And my brother calls me and he says, Peter, he said, how was it? You know, because I told my whole family they were really excited. And he said, hey, how was it? Um, how was the time? And I said, man, it was incredible. And he said, well, where was it? And I said, well, it was at the Four Seasons in Austin. And my brother uh, out of nowhere says, you know, he goes, I think I had a, a prophetic word for you while I was staying at the Four Seasons in Austin like 15 years ago. And I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy. He goes, yeah, let me see if I can go find it. He goes and finds it. And this is what the word says. He says, I'm going to bless Peter, but not in the way that you both think I'm going to bless him. And my brother knew that the Lord was referring to soccer. And so what God was telling my brother 15 years ago from that point was, I'm going to bless Peter, but it's not going to be connected to soccer. You think that the blessing and the this that I'm going to pour out on him is connected to soccer, but it's not. Well, what are the chances? And, he, and then he sends me the date on the journal entry, and it was June 9th, 2007, 15 years to the day that in the exact same hotel, I'm leading a devotional. It's like a full circle moment for me from soccer to preaching the gospel to our national team. And I start just freaking out going, this is a complete sign and wonder, literally. And and so I start praying and I hear the Lord say, this is a burning bush moment for you. This is an unusual circumstance. Take off your shoes, turn aside and pay attention to this. I want to speak to you through this burning bush. To me, the burning bush was my brother had a prophetic word 15 years ago to the day in the same hotel that I'm doing this bucket list, you know, share, share the gospel devotional with our men's national team. So I, I spent about two days in prayer, just Lord, what are you saying? And out of that time, I felt like the Lord said, what I've put inside of you and, and your desire to be on the men's national team, da, da, da. He says, it's connected to a national call. There's a national calling and a message that's inside of you that's for the nation. It's not just for the people you're discipling, not just for your podcast. It's for the nation. It's for the church in America to hear. And I was like, wow. And, and I'm sharing that with everyone, obviously, in humility. Um, I, I really wrestled with insecurity. I began to think like, Lord, I'm not like these other men, women of God who can do these national things. And I was just being small in my own eyes, all the things you guys have heard me preach. I was, I was wrestling with. And, and so again, so not long after this, Lou calls me and he's like, what are you thinking about the communion revival? You know, what are, what's the next step? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just kind of waiting on God. And <laughs> Lou very gently rebuked me. And he just basically was like, man, God has spoken so clearly. It's time that we step out. And so uh, that next weekend, I began to preach this message at Upper Room Dallas about the communion revival and what God was speaking about releasing forgiveness. And uh, I'll get into some of that later. And so at this point, I'm I'm feeling more and more and more convinced that, okay, we, there is something with 
a this this wide scale gospel strategy for America connected to communion that's going to produce revival that I have a, a, a role to play in it, that I can't be small, I can't shrink back. So a few weeks later after this, actually it was the next month, Lou was in town uh, right after Roe v. Wade was overturned. There was a big gathering happening in Dallas that he was a part of. And so that Sunday after that Friday, Roe v. Wade was overturned. That Sunday we were praying together and into this communion revival, just Lord, what are the next steps? What do we do? And, and this is the last kind of prophetic piece I'll give you for this episode because I'm getting to my meeting here. So I know this is a lot. I hope you guys were tracking. Um, but I think it's important to, to build your faith and to go, man, this is, this is something that, that is real. So this is just kind of in my heart um, and why I have so much faith for July 3rd. So we're praying together, and I began to pray out of Job 39, 19 to 25. Um, again, for those of you who don't know, that's one of my life scriptures. Uh, years ago, God told me that I was like that war horse uh, in Job 39. He's, his, uh, he's strong. He charges into the fray. But there's a key in that passage, and it says he, he waits until the commander blows the trumpet. And then he charges into the fray and says, aha. And so I was beginning to feel like God was revving my spiritual engine saying, son, I want you to proclaim the gospel, proclaim forgiveness through the Lord's table. Um, and I'm going to give you a strategy to do it across the nation. And so I'm getting fired up. But I was like, Lord, I need you to blow the trumpet. And that's what I prayed that day. I said, God, I said, I'm going to go all in on this for the next year plus. This is going to be my focus. We're going to we're going to roll the dice. This is going to cost us more money than we have. All the things like, but I'm going to step out in faith and charge into the fray, but I need you to blow the trumpet. Guys, you're not, you're, you're going to believe this because you're people of faith. We prayed for about half an hour, 45 minutes, just intentional, just kind of praying, you know, praying in the spirit, whatever. And I go and check my phone and Christy had texted me. She wasn't with me. And she had texted me and she said, hey, I just saw this article. It feels kind of random, but also prophetic. Let me know what you think. So not, not 20 minutes after I prayed for God to blow the trumpet that, that I should run to this great communion revival, I get a text. And the article was this. You can look this up. The dog named Trumpet is the first bloodhound to ever win the Westminster Dog Show. And in that moment, I knew that the dog named Trumpet, who is a bloodhound, winning the Westminster Dog Show was Jesus himself blowing the trumpet and saying, son, it's time to run. And I want you to basically, I want you to, to, to go. And so the first thing we did, um, the first thing I did was I felt insecure. And I thought, if I, if I begin to run, no one's going to follow. <laughs> And the Lord said, I said, Lord, I can't call stadiums. I can't do this. And he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I train people. And he said, well, then I want you to train people like Abram did. Abram had 318 trained men in his house. And, um, and that's when we launched the Braveheart 318. Um, and I'll get into that segment next. And so anyway, um, that's the first episode, guys. Um, this is a little of the prophetic history behind the great communion revival, at least where my, where my life and ministry and my family intersects with this. Um, we should probably do an entire other episode with Christy as well, um, because she has a lot of prophetic 
uh, kind of storyline along with this. Um, and so in the next coming weeks, I'm going to talk about the Braveheart 318, all of that season, um, and some of the revelation behind this and the strategy uh, behind July 3rd. So love you guys so much. And um, again, if you don't know, uh, Wesley's going to give you some details on how you can sign up and be a part of our July 3rd gathering. If you feel led to partner with us in this, please go to cometothetableamerica.co and you'll find some practical ways that you can partner with us, which include number one, having a live stream party at your house and joining in with what the Lord does in Philadelphia. Or number two would be to support this through finances or through prayer. As this is a national event, we need a lot of covering both financially and in prayer and in the spirit. So we've already raised about $100,000 and we need about 50000 more. And also, we would love for you to pray into this and let us know what you hear from the Lord. Reach out to us, email us, tell us on social media as you're praying in what you see the Lord doing. And number three would be just to spread the word. We really feel this is something the Lord is doing across our nation. And we would love if you would share with your friends and your family and join in with this communion celebration. Again, the website is cometothetableamerica.co. We love you. Be brave.